with C and Community Gospel. You know, Jordan and I are really excited about this today because uh, what's cool is that before either of us were at our churches, our churches actually have some shared history. We did uh, some camps together. Maybe some of you have been in, in our churches a long time, even remember those days down at Camp Mac. We followed Community Gospel in planting a church when our church started. And then Community Gospel, you guys kind of followed Wawasee when we joined the Free Church. And now you guys are part of the Free Church. And it's just, it's just really cool. A lot of similarities between our churches. And uh, Jordan and I have become good friends over the last couple of years too. So... Absolutely. Josh sits actually in our ministerial as well as some other EFCA churches. And when we came up with this idea, what we wanted to do is we wanted to see the church bigger than just our congregations that meet on a Sunday morning. And so we had this idea where we were going to go ahead and flip churches. So it's the same message, uh, but it's different locations. And part of that is just to be able to see the church bigger than what it really is. Yeah. And if, if you don't like one of us, you can go to the other's <laughs> church then too. So it works out good. <laughs> we actually thought about having a draft where we can go ahead and take some of your people for our people and see what you know happens and transpires. You'll have a lot more people. I don't know about all that. <laughs> Josh is uh, an excellent communicator. He also has a heart and a uh, passion for God's word. One of the things that stands out to me about Josh and uh, his preaching and teaching is just the way that he loves people. For those of you at Community Gospel, you remember that when we joined the EFCA church, Wawasee was kind enough to bring us donuts and coffee and welcome us into the free church. And so it is our desire that you welcome Josh today and what he has to say. Wawasee, you guys are going to love Jordan. Jordan has so much enthusiasm just about life and about God's word and preaching and teaching it. Um, that's gonna come through really clearly as you interact with him today, as you probably have already, and uh, as you hear him preach the word. And I just gotta say too, Jordan's a, just a, a good friend of mine and I'm really grateful for him. He challenges me. Um, we're, we're different in a lot of ways. In a lot um, of ways. And our churches are <laughs> very similar, but different in a lot of ways. And so I think we, we both kind of challenge each other in the areas where we and uh, encourage each other in their areas we're strong. So um, it, it's just cool. I'm excited while we see for you to meet Jordan and uh, Community Gospel, I'm excited to meet you guys. And we're just looking forward to a great day in Proverbs 4 today. That is a walk and a half. <laughs> if you would, open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs or electronic device that has a Bible on it. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4 uh, this morning. I just, uh, uh, I love your pastor. He is uh, just a man who loves Jesus, loves God's word, um, and we are totally different people. It is true. Um, Josh is one of those guys that you could walk up to, give a hug to, and then you see me and you're like, is, is he okay? <laughs> I just realized in the video, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm really serious. I should smile probably more often. Um, but uh, love you guys and what you're doing here. Hear amazing things. I already preached once and then uh, earlier and now we're at round two. And so I think Josh got the better end of the deal uh, in regards to this. But I know... Uh, you are in a series on Proverbs. So let's run down Proverbs real quick and um, just talk a little bit about how we get into chapter four. 
preaching at other people's churches, it's kind of interesting because I know what our slides are like and then you get here and I think to myself, that's really small writing. Not all the slides will be that small. Um, So if you can't read that, don't worry about it. Just follow along with me in regards to what we're talking about. But the majority of Proverbs is written by a man named Solomon. And Solomon is David's son, King David's son. And uh, he pens the majority of the book about 900 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. When Solomon ascends to the throne, God uh, says to him, he says, you can ask me for whatever you want. Just think about that for a second. If God looked at you and said, you can ask me for whatever you want, what would you ask him for? I mean, you're a heavenly father. What would you ask him for? I would not have asked him what Solomon asked him. I don't know what I would have asked him, but Solomon is wise before he's even wise because he wants wisdom. He says, God, I just want to be wise. These people are all over the place and I need to know how to govern these people. And it's amazing. He's probably uh, heard of Saul and then all of a sudden his, his father, he knows how he kind of ran things and now he has to be an heir of the throne. And God grants Solomon's request. He says, I'll make you wise. And not only will I make you wise, I'll give you everything else that you want as well. In 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 23, it says, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all of the other kings of the earth. And we learn that during Solomon's reign in the Old Testament, Israel reaches its peak or its pinnacle in regards to uh, spiritual, political, cultural, economical uh, height. And so what is true for Israel can be true for us too as well. As we study God's word this morning, we realize that we can reach our peak if we would rely, listen, and apply God's word in our everyday lives. We can ask God for wisdom and he will grant it to us and it starts in our hearts. So uh, Proverbs at the core is an account of how God wants us to conduct ourselves in everyday life. Now in context, how did we get here? We tell our people all the time the Bible is like an onion. Verse goes to chapter, chapter goes to book, book goes to genre, genre goes to testament, testament goes to the whole Bible, okay? So Proverbs chapter four ties into the book of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom, which ties into the Old Testament, an old covenant from God, and that ties into the New Testament, which is a new covenant from God, and we realize how God has been faithful from generation to generation to generation by sending us his son, Jesus Christ. John three seventeen says, Jesus is not a condemnation, he is a salvation. Salvation. In the Old Testament, people look forward to Jesus. Us in the New Testament, we look backward to Jesus, all of us knowing that he will come again soon. And in being Father's Day, uh, we as children kind of wonder, what is soon, right? When do we get there? Soon. I don't know what that means. All right, but I know it's coming soon. In Proverbs chapter four, specifically, Solomon starts to talk about this wisdom that can be obtained in the heart. And he says, this is how we go from being sinners to being saved to being set apart. The first step is coming to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Uh, Romans tells us, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And now, as believers, we're called to be set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Chapter, uh, or, yeah, Proverbs chapter four separates into three uh, distinct parts. You got nine verses that say, this is why you should follow your heavenly father's instruction, wisdom, teaching. The second part, the second nine verses are reasons why you should reject wickedness. 
It's the difference between this is a wise path following God's word and this is a wicked path rejecting God's word. And then the third one uh, is 22 to 27, which says, here's what happens and here's the benefits from wisdom. Now, why are we doing this? Why are we studying Proverbs chapter four? Because it's showing us that when we change our heart, okay, true life flows from the inside out, not the outside in. So many people are trying to change the external in order to change the internal. We gotta flip that as believers and realize the internal, when that's changed, the external starts to change, okay? And so uh, let's, let's take a look at uh, God's word, uh, Proverbs chapter four, verse one. Here, O sons, another word for here is be attentive, okay? Uh, 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 come here, come listen to me, is what he's saying. Gather around, hear what dad has to say. What are we listening to? I want you to listen to a father's instruction. And I want you to be attentive to that instruction that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. These aren't things that are gonna hurt you. Don't forsake your father's teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one inside of my mother, my dad taught me and said to me these words. Solomon quoting David. Let your heart hold fast to my words, keep my commands, and live. Son, get wisdom, get insight. Don't forget, don't turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't forsake wisdom, for she will keep you. Love her, guard her. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. When you get that wisdom, you got to prize it. You got to hold her highly. She will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful, awesome crown. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your truth and the fact that we have it, all of it. As Solomon penned this, looking forward to a Messiah, we realize now, looking back, that he has come. And as we study this truth this morning, as we strive to get wisdom, for those who are far from you, I pray that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior today. For those of us who have already made the decision to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray that this would be a path to follow that would produce maturity in us and good fruit, as Paul says in Galatians 5. Help us to be more than conquerors in Jesus Christ who loves us. Help us to realize that there is no condemnation for those who love you. And God, as we look forward and anticipate the day of your return, I pray, God, that you would help us to follow your ways and not the ways of the wicked. Help me to be clear here this morning in your name. Amen? Amen. All right. First nine verses, here's what he says. He says, I want you to get wisdom. We had problems with this little clicker here this uh, first service, hoping the second thing doesn't happen uh, today. Solomon's plea, underline it, get wisdom. In the previous chapters, chapter three, we learn what knowledge is. Knowledge, first and foremost, is head knowledge. It's obtained knowledge, okay? Knowledge at the core is when you sit down and you study the Bible and you're reading things and you're putting it into your mind. But wisdom is uh, different. Wisdom is when you act on that knowledge. Wisdom is said to be knowledge in motion, if you will. Knowledge understands that there is a light in front of us. It turns red. Wisdom says, stop. Knowledge sees danger. Wisdom walks around it. 
Knowledge learns of who Jesus Christ is. Knowledge learns that God loved the world so much he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. And whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Wisdom, though, we see in the Bible is when we accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah through faith and we put him as Lord of our life. So the start of how I get wisdom is this. The first thing that I see, go ahead and go to the next slide. I'm going to just go back and forth with you here this morning. The first thing that I have to do is I have to change my heart. How do I do that? How do I change my heart? Let's look at the next slide here. The first thing is to listen, and you're doing that here today. You're doing it awesome. Uh, First, uh, we see in verse 3 through 6 that Solomon heard God's word, the scriptures, through his parents, David and Bathsheba. Can you imagine if your mom and dad were David and Bathsheba? I mean, talk about two individuals who knew the successes and failures of following God's word and failing to do what God says. Here, Solomon hears God's word through his parents and he quotes his father in verse four through verse nine showing how it was passed on from generation to generation to generation to generation. We listen to God's word. And what does God's word tell us? In the Old Testament, it says there is a Messiah. He is coming. He's going to be a savior of the world. In the New Testament, we learn his name is Jesus. He radically transforms everything about society and calls us to radical transformation as well. We hear the word of God. And then he says, I want you, as you listen to it, to realize that you have the opportunity and the obligation to pass it down as well. And that's what David does. He passes down God's wisdom to Solomon in three ways. Go to the next slide. First thing he does is he says, if you're going to get God's wisdom, you have to accept this with all of your heart. You have to accept this wholeheartedly. You have to be all in. David would have understood this, First and Second Samuel. He would have understood, man, if I didn't follow the Lord with all of my heart, that's where I had my biggest failures. Looking at you, Bathsheba. <laughs> All right, and what God used as failure and frustration, he can produce fruit in even the most difficult situations. But David says, Solomon, listen, as a father to his son, you need to follow the Lord. Be committed with all of your heart. That's Proverbs chapter three, verse five. I have to commit my heart to the Lord through submission. And we learn in Jesus Christ, I confess that I'm a sinner and believe that I can be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, then he says, you need to continue to ask for wisdom because we like sheep have gone astray and we do that through prayer then you continue to pursue it I come to know Christ come to know wisdom confessing my sin believing Jesus Christ is Lord and then all of a sudden now I walk in wisdom through prayer and also realizing what God calls me to do to pursue it Three times in Proverbs chapter four, verse five twice, verse seven once, he says, get wisdom, get wisdom. All of these are heart matters. David knew that God's internal wisdom was valued, was valuable and needed to be protected. That's chapter two and guarded. Jump down in Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows out of it. 
Now, if you're here this morning, okay, you may think to yourself, uh, I had godly parents and they gave me godly wisdom. They explained the gospel of Jesus Christ to me. And as Dave said this morning, man, you should praise God that you had godly parents. You should praise the Lord that you had somebody in your life who uh, impressed, as the Bible says, the truths of scripture upon your heart. As a matter of fact, today you should look at your dad if he loved Jesus and say, thank you so much that you love Jesus enough to want me to love Jesus. It's amazing. Some of us though are sitting here and we're thinking to ourselves, my dad didn't love Jesus. And so what we do often is we look at our earthly father who failed and we think our heavenly father fails too as well. And that's not true. You need to break the chain, okay, as an earthly father where your earthly father failed. You need to break that chain and realize that now it's your opportunity and your obligation to impress the truth of scripture on your children's heart. Now, you may be here this morning, you're like, I don't have any kids, all right? Hey, guess what? Aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, all of us have somebody in our life who we can leave an impression on, and the question on the table is, are we leaving our impression or are we leaving God's impression upon them? This is why we dedicate children at Community Gospel, right? Because we realize that sometimes it's not enough for me to just raise my kids. I need other people to come raise my kids, amen? So I need somebody to come and help me out, and that's exactly what we're seeing here is that we need to live listen to God's wisdom, and then look at this, go to the next slide, implement it, that's verse seven through nine. When you have a changed heart, we implement God's wisdom daily. We can't blame our poor upbringing for not implementing godly wisdom that rests in our changed hearts. If we really truly, as believers in Jesus Christ, have wisdom from God living in our hearts, then the Holy Spirit, it is to be valued and loved If you have received so great of a salvation and you're not implementing it, then I would ask you the question, have you really received so great of a salvation? The New Testament says you've been given an inheritance from God. Your heavenly father loves you so much, he gives you this inheritance and now he says, what are you gonna do with it? Are you gonna value it? Are you gonna see it, as David says, like this uh, beautiful wreath, this crown of splendor, or or are you just gonna hide it away? If you had a rough upbringing, it would be foolish not to seek after God's wisdom and apply it and implement it in your everyday life. Everything outlined in verse seven through nine. Solomon knew it, the question is do we know it? Are we looking for it or are we complacent? And the worst thing that we realize as believers in Jesus Christ is when we become complacent with the wisdom that God has entrusted to our care. It would be foolish to close this book, put it on a shelf and just say, you know what, Uh, Pastor Jordan, Pastor Josh, whoever that may be, I heard what you had to say. And then you leave those doors. It's like a man who looks in the mirror and forgets who he is. And you just live however you want to live. He says, no, get wisdom is coming to know the Lord through faith in Christ. And then it's constantly seeking what God would have in store for us. Fathers, point your kids to our heavenly father and those who failed to have biblical parents. You can still overcome. Never too late to do the right thing. Never too late to change your heart and see how true life flows out of it. Let's look at verse 10. All right. Here, I love this. He repeats it, right? Sometimes kids need to be told multiple times. Amen. All right. Sometimes, hey, you you need to hear this again, right? First service, I said, um, my kids are always surprised that we have to brush our teeth at the end of the night right? You guys have that? It's like, we've been doing this for 11 years. My oldest is 11. My youngest is nine. And it's like, what, what happened? Like, how did we forget this, right? We do this every single night. So you have to brush your teeth. Same thing's happening here. You have to hear what God has to say. We're like sheep. We're kind of stupid. All right. 
my son. Now, I said this uh, first service, I need to uh, reiterate this, sons and daughters. Sometimes women, you look at the text and you say, oh, see, he's speaking to the boys. No, 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 he's, he's talking children, okay? And that's to us, from generation to generation to generation, all of God's people. I want you to accept, verse 10, my words, so that the years of your life may be many. Another way to word that would be to be full. I have taught you, I have impressed the truths of Scripture, verse 11, on your heart, the ways of wisdom. I have led you in the path of uprightness, pointing you back to the living God. And when you look to the Lord, you walk with him. Your steps will not be hampered. If you run, you won't stumble. So I want you as kids, look at his plea here. Keep a hold of this godly instruction. Don't let it go. Guard her for she is your life. So that's the ways of the wise. And then what he says is, he says, look at verse 14. But these are the ways of the wicked. Don't go the ways of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. You have to avoid that. It's almost like he's yelling. I wish this was in all capitals, right? Like that's how you text people that you're really uh, yelling. I did that the other day, actually. I texted somebody, all capital letters, and I realized what I did, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not yelling at you. And they're like, it's okay, but I thought you were. Don't go on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. 16, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They're robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. Keep going. Verse 17, they eat the bread of wickedness. He's expounding on what's happening to the wicked people. And drink the wine of violence. Don't be like those individuals. As, as dad's here this morning, you can almost hear uh, the, the concern in his voice. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. But the way of the wicked is like a deep darkness. They do not know these wicked people over what they stumble. So what's he saying here? He's saying, go ahead, go to the next slide. He's saying, I want you as, as a father to flee from the wicked. Next slide. Oh, you got it. Okay. Um, Solomon says, these are the two paths. And I love this. He's a great dad. He's looking at it. He's like, let's, let's talk about this, right? Let's talk about column A and column B, right? Let's weigh the pros and cons. Uh, it's like a kid who looks at it and goes, I want to buy this thing. All right, well, let's talk about what happens if you buy it or what if you don't buy it. The first three verses, 10, 11, 12, uh, or yeah, 10, 11, 12, 13, four verses, uh, is, no, three verses, excuse me, is wisdom's ways, and then the next verses are wickedness's ways. So let's go to the next slide, let's, what happens, and let's see what happens if you choose God's wisdom. Solomon says, you choose, you choose God's wisdom, you will have longer, fuller life. Your days on this earth will be full of purpose. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, because uh, we do this, we, as men, we shake somebody's hands, we say, my name is Jordan, and, and, and you say, my name is Tim. By the way, the, the name tag thing, throwing me off big time. Texted your pastor this morning, and I said, there's a lot of name tags at Wawa C going on. And he's like, yeah, you should go take one and just put one on and see if anybody notices. Um, <laughs> oh, my word. Uh, but we, we, we look at this, and the next question is what? What do you do for a living? After you meet somebody, it's always, what do you do? And uh, I told a guy the other day, I said, I help people find their purpose. And he said, what? 
And I said, yeah, I said, I help people find their purpose through three things. I'm a pastor, I'm a police officer, and I'm a professor. And he looked at me and he said, whoa. <laughs> and then he turned around and walked away. Um, I don't know if he wanted uh, to be condemned or arrested or uh, taught something, but it, it was just the way that we were. Um, and here's what I'm realizing, right? God's ways of wisdom give us purpose. All three of those things are helping people find their purpose. It doesn't matter if I'm in the pulpit. It doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm in the driver's seat of a squad car or if I'm standing, uh, pre, uh, being a professor. I'm, um, I'm sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, saying that you can have full life. And you, here in this place, whatever you do, okay, you do unto the Lord because he says, I want you to realize that you either evangelize, share with people the gospel of Jesus Christ, or edify, build up people who already know Christ. That's a full life, he says. And then he says, if you do that, it's a straight path that you walk on. Look at verse 11 and 12. You do not, you're not hampered or cramped up. No, if you have God's wise ways from a changed heart, you have life. I shared the story in the first service, um, but uh, I was told of farmers who, how they originally started their first line. And they would, they would focus on a fixed object down the field, and they would start the first line that way. So they would go forward, and it would start straight. So I, I tested that out with my lawnmower. And I, I did one, one, I just stared at my neighbor's fence. He actually came outside, he stared at me, I stared at him, we had one of those awkward moments, you know? He's like, oh, by the way, uh, Josh and I, we uh, filmed this video last week. I have never looked in, in the eyes of somebody for that long. And I told him after we were done, I was like, man, that was a really intimate moment we shared together. <laughs> and he's like, I, I, I know. So we went to lunch and I couldn't look at him a whole lot because I was like, I feel like we've already shared a very, very close moment. Um, mowing my grass though, uh, who's fixated, fixated, fixated. All of a sudden I realized the rest of the rows were straight because I kept focus on what was uh, solid. If, if that's true about like mowing the yard or, or farming, if we keep our eyes fixed on a distant object, it's also true of life. Proverbs says, get wisdom, the straight path that helps us avoid things. Focus on your heavenly father. Now here's what's crazy. We just don't focus on our heavenly father, right? We focus on him, we receive him, and he says, I won't just be far from you, I'll be close to you. I'll be in the front of you, I'll be beside you, I'll be behind you. The Bible says, he takes up our rear guard and I will live in you. And so you'll have all of it, you'll have everything that you ever need. God's wisdom is everything that we would ever need to avoid sexual traps, uh, re, uh, retain integrity, controlling our tongues, dealing with difficult people, right? Wise people with changed hearts walk straight past. This is why Jesus says that you, uh, or that David says, excuse me, that uh, thy word is a light unto my path. Isn't that amazing? It, it shows me where to go. It gives me purpose. And the only way to follow a straight path in life is to keep your eyes fixated on Jesus Christ. Now, I love what this great dad does. Look at, uh, next slide, he says, he says um, there's this wicked way, though, that constantly comes and tries to trip you up. Paul talks about it like the flesh. We've been studying Galatians at Community Gospel Church, and um, everybody knows the fruit of the Spirit, right? 
But before the fruit of the Spirit, you have the manifestations of the flesh. I don't know why, but it's so easy to sin, amen? It just like comes natural to me, imagine that, right? And this is what Solomon's saying. He's saying, hey, listen, this is, is the manifestation of the flesh. These are the wicked things that come because, as Paul says, the flesh that hangs off of us, that entangles us. These are things that we need to flee from. I'm saved. I'm redeemed by the blood of the lamb. But this flesh that hangs off me, it constantly is trying to trip me up. And he says, you need to run from that. You need to flee from that. I read about a guy. He ran from California to New York. Um, Somebody told me one time, running is a lot like hitting your head against a brick wall. Just feels good when you stop. I agree with that. And they asked him, they, they sat him down for an interview. They said, what was the hardest thing about running from California to New York? He said, was it the rain? Was it the weather? Like, what was the big, the big thing that was, that, was, that was the problem? And he said, listen, it's not the big things that are the problem. He said, it was when sand got in my shoes. He said, that was so irritating, it would hurt, it would tear up my feet. It's, it's not the big problems. The big problems are easy to see. The hard thing is when the little problems come in. Galatians says, uh, in, in chapter um, five, it says, this is a little evil that comes in. It, it, it destroys everything else. If we allow as believers what is secular to influence us, then we lose the sacred. I didn't say you lose your salvation. I just say you lose the sacred. So as believers, the call here from a father to a son to a daughter is never compromise on God's word. You have come far too, you've become way too far to be defeated by a little sand in your shoes. My kids, uh, they love rollerblading. Just love it. And they have two options usually when we rollerblade if we go somewhere. They can go to the skate park or they can go to the tennis courts. My youngest loves the tennis courts. She just thinks it's so cool. And I asked her one time, I said, why, why do you like the tennis courts so much? She said, because the skate park has all these big obstacles and I'm not really about that life. And I didn't realize like she talked like that. So I had to kind of wrap my mind around that. I was like, about what life? What does that even mean? Like, you say weird things. Um, and she's not here, so I can say whatever I want about her. I got to be careful with Kareen because she'll, she'll, she'll come back at me. So, and I was a pastor's kid, so I understand that, right? Like, that's, that's how that kind of goes. And I said, okay, so there's these big objects. Yeah, the big objects, Dad, I don't, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not about that life. She goes, I'm about the smooth path. And I'll never forget, we were at the tennis courts one time, and um, she, uh, at the tennis courts, they're, they're fairly smooth, but there's little pebbles in there every now and again. For those of you who rollerblade, like pebbles are the enemy. They are the fall of Satan. And um, she hit one of those pebbles and she went flying. And now, I had a confession last service, I'm gonna do it again this service. Watching your kids fall, okay, as a father, is extremely hilarious sometimes, okay? So, and, and it, it, if you don't think it is, I'm sorry, like I'm just not up there in the spiritual life yet. Like, pray for me, all right? Um, I go check and see if they're okay. You good? You good? Okay, that was awesome, is what, is what I said. Uh, I said, wait, why'd you fall? And then uh, also, like you who are laughing, you probably uh, laugh about people who fall on ice too, right? You're like, you're in that boat. And you're like, you're like oh, oh, are you okay? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I've fallen on the ice. My wife just gets a huge kick out of it. She thinks it's hilarious. Like, didn't, didn't make that one. Um, so anyway, I go over to her and I'm like, what happened? And she's like, I hit a rock. It was the little pebble that was the biggest problem. And life's like that, right? We're good at watching out for big problems. Those external things, 
but we allow the little stones to trip us up. Go to the next slide. Uh, Dave Brandon says, watch out for the big problems, but those can be easy to see. But don't forget the little pebbles. Don't forget those little things, that little leaven, because there is a path and God's way is the way of wisdom. It's the way that God wants us to go through discipline. It's the way that God wants us to go. Uh, somebody once said, easy choices, hard life, hard choices, easy life. In regards to discipline, that's so true. He says, and, and a changed heart comes from God's wise ways, these straight paths, verse 11. The wicked path is, is letting your heart be open to anything that comes in your way. Uh, Exodus chapter 10, verse 22 says, if you refuse to get wisdom, if you just come to know the Lord and you just, you just kind of shelf that Bible, it is like welcoming an intense black in the middle of the night. So go to the next slide. He says, listen, my son, my daughters, an unchanged heart is not true life. Change your hearts where true life comes from. True life flows from the inside out. Now let's go to verse 20. Look what he says here. He says, my son. Now he's, he's kind of like um, looking at him in the eye here. Okay, he's, he's, he's like, be attentive to my words. Look at me in the eyes, okay? Incline your ear to my saying. I want you to move forward in your chair. I want you to really grasp a hold of this. It's like his plea. Let this not escape from your sight. It is so important that you keep them, wisdom, God's wise ways within your heart. Why? For they're like life to you. You can almost hear him pleading to his kids. They're healing to your flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward. Your gaze be straight before you. Ponder this. Let my people think about it. I had a lady at, at our church the other day, and I think this is so interesting. She sent me a text message and she says, I'm so concerned about my sin. I'm so consumed with my sin. And she's like, but I just don't feel myself becoming victorious over my sin. And I said, at least you're thinking about it. I said, when we stop thinking about the fact that uh, our sin doesn't affect us, we have a problem. That's what he says here. He says, ponder it. Am I on the ways of, uh, of the wise path, the, the ways of the Lord, or am I doing what I want to do? then all your ways will be sure. Don't swerve from the right or to the left. Stay focused, essentially what he says, on, on your heavenly father. Turn your foot away from evil. What a great dad here. What he's saying is, go to the next slide. Life flows from the inside out. Uh, underline a couple things. Verse 20, be attentive and pay attention. Incline your ear. Put a little question next to that if you want. Do I... Uh, or am I, excuse me, attentive to God's word and do I lean in? Do I incline my ear to it? Solomon's call here is to his son to check your heart. Now watch this, go to the next slide. He says, success in the Lord's eyes comes from a pure heart. Success from a pure heart comes from, uh, from in God's eyes comes from a pure heart. That word heart means the totality of all of your values. Everything that you really truly are. We say the definition of integrity is being the same person in the dark of who you are in the day and vice versa. Are you a man and woman of integrity? 
If I were to meet you here at, at church, and then all of a sudden, I met you, unfortunately, on the side of the road if I had you pulled over, right? Like, and, and you're all my friends now, so we'll let you go. I'm just kidding. Um, I can't promise you that. Uh, if, 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 would you be the same person? Would you, would, would you be the same? If I welcomed you in my home, would you be the same? Here's the greatest thing about your pastor, whether it's Dave or Josh. Every time I talk to those guys, they're the exact same. Who they are in the dark is who they are in the day. It's amazing. He says, this is successful in God's eyes. This is when you check your heart. Luke chapter six, for example, says, the mouth speaks when the heart is full of, what the heart is full of. Matthew 6 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Are your, is your treasure in the things of this world or is your treasure in the things of God's word? We have to ask ourselves that question, right? A pure heart starts with faith in Christ and then it produces fruit and it needs to be checked daily. Go to the next slide because failure is when we allow wickedness to come in. It's when we, we fail to guard our heart. <laughs> um, so in, in our neighborhood, they're doing uh, service to, to the internet, right? And uh, they have the whole thing tore up. This guy comes to my house the other day, knocks on the door, and uh, he says, is this 3.30? And he wasn't talking about the time, he was talking about my address. He said, no, man, this is 3.10. He's like, oh, I got the wrong address. And I was like, it's fine. He said, but while I got you here, you guys are doing some massive damage to my backyard. And he's like, uh, what? So he goes around and he looks at it and he says, um, I didn't even know this was happening. And he's like, I just wanted to tell you that your internet was out. I was like, actually, my internet's not out. It's still up because I don't have you guys as a service. <laughs> I said, I got the other guy. And he's like, really? Why do you have the other guy? I said, your customer service is terrible. And he's like, it really is. He's like, I know the lady who does that. And I'm like, so fix it, man. Like, what, what's the problem? But what I realized is this, right? I showed him something that I saw from my house because I guard my house. I'm the king of that castle, right? Like this, this is my neighborhood. This is where I come from. You come into my house like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna what, are, what are you doing? What do you want here? And I showed him this was wrong and it needs fixed. When is it gonna be fixed? As believers, what we do so often is we just let anybody and everybody come in. This random stranger shows up, you bring him into the house, you sit him down, and yeah, we're supposed to love people, right? I understand that, but we're not talking about that. If you know that is a demon who's standing there wanting into your house, you don't just bring him in for dinner. You kick that person out. You're like, you're not welcome here. There are things of this world that are not welcome in the believer's heart, amen? There's not, there's not, they, they, they don't, that doesn't happen. We had a county fair the other day, it was like what not to wear. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. Like that's never happening, right? My daughters come down the stairs, you go back up the stairs just the way you came. Cause that doesn't fly. Why? Cause I'm a good dad. So this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if you welcome anything that's of the world, there's where wickedness starts to permeate, okay? And he says, these are things like, uh, in chapter two, he says, this is crooked speech, corrupt, foul talk. These should never be on the lips of believers. We as believers should never entertain evil. My wife, Bethany, who I love dearly, uh, came into the house. I came home the other day and she looked at me and she says, you have a doctor's appointment next week. And I love her, I do. Um, she's, she's great, but sometimes she makes mistakes because I hate the doctor. 
Like the doctor and I are not friends. He loves Jesus. I love Jesus. I don't know why we can't just leave it at that. Like it's just, it would be fine. She says, no, you got to go for a checkup. I didn't know until I got married the things that I should do, right? You guys, it's Father's Day, okay? We get to talk kind of a little openly and freely here for a second. There are things that I would not do um, or if I were married. You, are you tracking here? Like, there's some things that my wife has implemented in our life that this is, this is important for you, this is beneficial for you, and I disagree, but I go along with her because happy wife, happy life, amen? Okay, so the doctor is one of those. I hate him. So I always ask the doctor a thousand questions. I don't think he likes to see me. I don't really like to see him. All good. But he, he's like, Jordan, let's do this checkup. And what I realize is you need a checkup every now and again. I can't even believe I'm saying that because Bethany's here and she's going to be like, you said at Wawa C that those are good. And I, boof. All right. Anyway, this is pastors eat their words sometimes. It is what it is. But just as you need a physical checkup, you need a spiritual checkup. So let's do that this morning. Okay, let's do that. Go to the next slide. Proverbs 4 gives five areas that need checked up. And this is where the rubber meets the road. This is a call to action from Solomon to God's people. Starts in verse 20, goes all the way to 26. Number one, he says, check your ears. Are you hearing God's word? Every believer in Jesus Christ needs to daily read God's word. I'll make a strong case it needs to be in the morning before you ever go out anywhere else. There are so many 365-day Bible reading plans, you need one. Pick one. We had a lady in our church, she looked at me, she said, what Bible reading plan should I use? I said, I don't know, pick one. There's a thousand of them out there. I just want you in the Word. She said, what Bible should I read? I said, anything but the message. That's between me and Jesus, okay? But I said, I said NIV, ESV, um, pick one. I said, I'll buy you one. Just get in God's word. Is there a time in your life, daily in your life, where you are sitting down, putting your devices on silent or shutting them off, opening up God's word and reading it? I'll make a strong case. You need an actual tangible version of the Bible. You got to sit down, open up God's word, and it's just you and Jesus. And here's the crazy thing. People look at me all the time. They're like, what if I don't understand it? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Because we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, Jesus Christ, Lord, he brings the Holy Spirit and, I, and I'm, I'm reading and I'm praying. I'm reading and I'm praying. God, I don't understand that. And he's like, read it again. God, I still don't understand that. Read it again, right? Hear my son, be attentive to my words. Are you hearing God's word? Now, here's the hard part with the ears. Are you doing what it says? I slaughter Bible reading plans. Eat them for breakfast. I'm not so good at living that truth out every day. So it's not just hearing God's word, getting it in our minds, it's living it out. That's that application that he talks about. Verse 21 and 25, your eyes. Are you keeping your eyes on godly things? I was talking to a dad the other day and uh, I said, he's like, how do I know if something's godly or not? I said, would you watch that with a four-year-old? And he's like, 90% of stuff I watch should not be watched with a four-year-old. And I said, well, then you got to find new content. So what am I allowing in my eyes? 
Now, that could be my phone, that could be my device, that could be anything. Our neighbor came down the other day. She walked down the street. She's got dementia, so I, I don't know if she knows we're having conversation a whole lot. The town was there, and she's looking at that, and she looks at, at, the, at the van, and she says, uh, who is that? And I said, that's Dexter. He works for the town. And she said, oh, I want cable. And I said, you want cable? She said, yeah, who do you have for cable? I said, we don't have cable. We've never had cable. And she's like, oh, you don't have cable? Why don't you have cable? I said, because I can't support that. I can't support cable. Matter of fact, I got some streaming devices that I probably shouldn't support. And so her conviction was like coming upon me, right? And I, I looked at her and I said, yeah, we just never have had cable. And she's like, maybe I don't need cable. She turned around and walked away. Um, and then I looked at Dexter, who, is our, who works for the town, and I said, man, I just saved you an amazing conversation. So what am I allowing to come in through my eyes? Am I keeping my eyes on godly things? Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your left eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's radical amputation. Third thing, verse 23, what about your heart? Are you protecting your heart from evil? This is where you need good, solid Christian friendships. Your circle of intimacy, fathers, let's just talk for a second real quick. Circle of intimacy, you have three circles. Circle of intimacy, that's reserved for your spouse. I only have eyes for you is a great song. It should be repeated to all, over and over again. Your eyes should be on your spouse. It's your circle of intimacy. That's the one person you can be 100% intimate with outside of Jesus, okay? After that, you got a circle of influence. These are five to, to 10 guys. Jesus had 12. Five to 10 guys uh, that you're allowing to talk into your life. Your pastor is one of my 12. Who is in your circle of influence? Who are you allowing to influence your life? It's been said that you are the sum of five friends, of five of your friends. So if I met five of your friends, you'd be like, oh, that's who you really truly are. This petrifies me to death, by the way, because I know my 12, right? I know my 10. And if we look at that, who am I allowing to influence me? When am I allowing them to influence me? I need to have times where I sit down and we talk about things and I, they ask the hard questions. Your pastor asks me hard questions. I ask him hard questions. And the last question I usually ask my circle of influence is, have you been 100% honest with me? And I let them ask me the same thing. Outside of that circle, that is your circle of concern. These are people who I'm concerned about genuinely, their salvation and their sanctification. Guard your circles. You need to have people. Now, if you're here and you're like, I don't have a whole lot of friends, I'm gonna tell you how to gain friends real fast. Number one, ditch your devices. Start living with people and not um, so that people will just give you whatever you want. That's not life. And number two, pray about it. Pray about real good godly friendships. We had three couples over last night. Um, man, just love those guys to death. Awesome. But I, I, I was sitting in my living room last night and I was like, I prayed for you guys. Like that, that you would be friends of ours. This morning, I genuinely miss our church. Like I walked through, I love you guys. You're, you're, you're doing great. Like it's awesome. But you're my extended family. I miss my family, right? Those are my accountability people. Those are my people, right? I die for Community Gospel Church. And your pastor would die for you too. Fourth thing, tongue, verse 24. Is your mouth clean and pure? Proverbs 10, 19 says, he who restrains his lips is wise. My mom always said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say it. All God's people said, amen, all right? And then 
Verse 26 is your feet. Are you serving God through serving others? Galatians 5, Paul just says, I want you to serve. I could tell just how great you're doing in success in God's eyes by how you are concerned about other people. The great Haddon Robbins said, your neighbor is anyone who has a need in which you are able to meet. Are you meeting your neighbor's needs? Are you meeting the needs of your neighbors? It is so hard to be wicked when I am focused on other people's needs. True love is seeking the other person's best. You will be a great husband and father if you are just concerned about your wife and kids that they see you as Jesus. As they look at you as a picture of the church, as as you're just whatever needs that you have, I want to meet. And here's the thing, I fall short of that all the time, right? But fall towards the finish line, man, love it. Like it's so good. What are the needs that my spouse needs met? And what are the needs that my kids need met? My daughter was outside the other day. She just got back from basketball camp. And she's dribbling the basketball. And I am so concerned about something else. And she looks at me and she says, Dad, do you want to shoot hoops? And I looked at her and I said, no, but I will. That's killing the flesh and moving over to doing something that's wise. That's putting an investment in that. So I just started asking her questions about basketball camp. It's not what I want to do. It's what needs done for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, so how'd you do? Like ears, eyes, heart, tongue, feet. If you're convicted, good, me too, okay? Here's what we have to do. Go to the next slide. David Brandon again says, regular checkups will help to restore your spiritual vitality. Focus your eyes, verse 25, on the wise path. Do not be distracted by turning to evil. Next slide. Uh, Proverbs provides both a path, or excuse me, a goal and a route. The goal is successful, godly living. The route is the way of wisdom. Check your heart. True life flows from the outside, or from the inside out, not the outside in. Change your heart. Check it daily. True life flows from the inside out, not the outside in. Let me pray for you.